I went to Costco recently, which I hadn't been to in quite some time, and also the 99 cent store. And I watched people buying food. And I was pretty dumbfounded to see people with carts, with pallets. I guess they were selling like these huge um, assortments of chocolate candies. It was on sale with limited of five. So people were telling me that they got their kids all to buy five too. And they were stacking the grocery carts with pallets of chocolate and uh, big uh, ginormous boxes of Pepperidge Farm goldfish and huge bags of chips and muffins that look like geodes. Um, and then at, at, at uh, the 99 cent store, you could buy like, I'm not sure what they were, but they were some kind of cupcake with icing the color of um, like turquoise. And then so it's like, I, I, I started to wonder like, what is this doing to our nation's health? So many people are shopping at these stores. And I also noticed that uh, I'd say about, mm, Four out of 10 people were obese in these stores, and maybe about seven out of 10 were overweight or obese. And those numbers, unfortunately, match. Costco is the United States. The 99 cent store is the United States because the newest data from the National Center for Health Statistics show that uh, the obesity rate has climbed from 38% to 40% in two years. And the uh, uh, for adults and for uh, youth, it's gone up to 19%. And as, as uh, Alyssa said, it's, it's grown tenfold uh, since 1975. So these are, you know, terrible problems, a real crisis, arguably the biggest health crisis facing the United States and now the world in that profound uh, piece in the New York Times recently on Brazil and Nestle's. Uh, yes, women are getting out of poverty, and that's really important. They're selling Nestle's products door to door, but it turns out that what people are buying are Kit Kats, um, sweetened yogurts, and peanut pudding. And the obesity rate now around the world has grown, and there are more obese people than um, people who are underweight, and yet they're malnourished. So we need to really start to tell the story and tell it over and over again because Coke and Pepsi have been telling that story over and over again for over 100 years. So it's now our turn to tell that story. So um, when I think about these problems of processed food, which are high in sugar, fat, and salt, um, and their availability and their cheapness, I understand having just been at Costco and seeing you know, that it's available, it's cheap, and it satisfies very uh, sort of basic needs. I mean, I like to eat a muffin, and I feel better sometimes after I do it. And so I know that sugar has an effect on my brain. And that's why I don't buy the geode muffins, because I know I would eat those if I did. So um, you hear about sugar today. It's a, a, molecule, a molecule wrecking havoc around the world. And it's time to really speak out, and speak out with passion and with, as Alyssa just said as well, the facts. So let's just first talk about UCLA and where we are right now. So UCLA is a smoke-free campus, and you'll see signs everywhere for that. So are they doing a good job nutritionally? Well, no, they're not really, in my opinion. Um, in 2013, UCLA signed what are a, a deal called pouring rights. So you probably know what pouring rights are. $15.4 million Coca-Cola paid so that UCLA does not sell any Pepsi products. So the water, the Coke, uh, the vending machines, the food downstairs, all the cafeterias, Coke, Coke, Coke. 
and they're going to give $3 million, they said, to scholarships. But is that really worth it? Because, you know, 30,000 students, all these people who are getting that message of, you know, Coca-Cola, it's, it's here at UCLA as well. It's at schools across the country. It's insidious. There are legions of people who spend their days, who spend their careers figuring out how to tell the story of soda. And I think it's really interesting. My students, I, have a, I teach a freshman seminar here on soda politics, and I ask my students to spend one day looking at all of the places they see soda advertised, where they see it available, and they come back and they say, it's ubiquitous. I didn't pay attention. I didn't know. It's, it's offered with my, my meal plan. It's offered with my everywhere. It's in every dorm. It's in every vending machine. You know, and, and I think we don't pay attention, and yet, like stress, it, it seeps in, and we think about it. And we, we wonder, you know, you know, should we maybe have a, have a swig to make ourselves feel better? And why not when Coke, over the last um, uh, quarter century, has used such phrases as um, the Coke side of life, or um, life tastes good, or right now, taste the feeling. And my favorite one is open happiness. And that was, you know, it's like open happiness. So they are giving this message that's profound, telling us that we refresh, we enjoy, we will be happy if we consume a product that is made of water, sugar, flavor, and nothing else, and has absolutely no nutritional value, and accounts for one-third of the obesity in the, of the sugar intake in the United States, half when you include all other sweetened beverages. So I wrote a piece recently in the journal um, Perspectives in Biology and Medicine and said, if doctors want to do one thing, and I'm a pediatrician, to improve the health of their patients, what should it be? And the answer is pretty simple. Uh, counsel your patients to decrease or not consume soda. And when I have a patient who's overweight come in and they stop drinking soda, they are profoundly surprised at the results because soda provides so many empty calories, particularly to poor people who consume it at, at higher rates. And you'll hear all about this, particularly from my, my friend uh, Kelly Brunell, who was one of the first people who introduced me to the world of sugar-sweetened cereals, sweetened beverages, uh, junk food, and, and the profound impact it's having on our country, 40%. Here at UCLA, they did do a study. One out of, recently, one out of three millennials is pre-diabetic. So we have such a terrible problem on our hands right now. So we need to figure out how to deal with it, particularly since uh, Coke and Pepsi and, and other uh, makers of, of food that is contributing to this crisis uh, will continue with, state, uh, with stories of opening happiness. And you will not see a person who's overweight uh, in any of their commercials. So what do we do? So we have to start telling our own stories. We have to use television if we can, and I've been very fortunate to do that. But now with the internet, we can create our own shows, we can blog, we can write op-ed pieces, we can testify before legislatures, but we have to speak out. We have to use the data. And one thing that uh, we've done here at UCLA is actionlab.org. So if you go to actionlab.org soda, you will see that with Marion Nestle's book, Soda Politics, we created what we think is the first interactive 
uh, ebook approach where in the ebook chapters we give you actionable steps you can take to get soda out of your lives. Um, if you don't have the book, you can just go on actionlab.org/soda and you will see many, many steps that kids can take and they can learn about what's in soda and they're, they're pretty shocked when I, when I work with young, youngsters and they put 10 teaspoons of, su of sugar in a glass of water and say, yuck, they, then they start to realize, wow, I'm drinking that, but they just put some flavor in, I don't want it, I want water. So we have to bridge what I say, the gap between inspiration and action. I truly believe that Americans and the world want to live healthier lives, but often they just don't know where to begin. So we give them actionable steps. We need to provide people with steps they can take. They can be small steps, but they are steps nonetheless to make their lives healthier. And there are many ways to do it, and there are many stories that we can tell, but we have to tell and share our stories now because we are facing this tidal wave of other stories. It's very hard to compete against Beyonce when she is, is shilling Pepsi, and studies have shown that women say, well, if she drinks it and she looks great, why shouldn't I? So those stories have been around for decades. Now we must tell our story. So thank you so much for, for inviting me to uh, kick this off. Uh, I know uh, that the conversations today will be stimulating, and I know that they will uh, bridge your gap between inspiration and action as well. So thank you for all, all for coming.